Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to Beer Me, typically recorded live at the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane. For those of you who listen quite regularly, you will know that in this show, we speak to people from all different parts of the beer world, from brewers, educators, importers, to help us look at beer through different lenses and see that this is a multifaceted, wonderful, eclectic field. Uh, but today, I'm sadly not at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am on the west side of Manhattan, technically Hell's Kitchen, um, at Treadwell Park, one of three locations, talking to one of my favorite people, Anne Becerra. She is many things. It's hard to describe. She is technically the beverage director here for all three locations at Treadwell Park, but she does everything. She does freelance things. She does events. She does dinners. She's a Cicerone. She's all beer, all beverage, all awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Anne, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy running around. You're so sweet. If you say nice things like that, I'm like, how can I? No, really, um, it's so exciting to finally get to talk to you. I feel like we've been trying to put this together for so long. Yeah. And, you know, schedules, unfortunately, don't always match, but I'm so happy you're in New York. Welcome. Thank you. I know, I, I always get a little, I was in, I lived in New York for about six years, and when I first arrived back in New York after being gone for a while, I immediately want to start crying. Like, because I'm like, just like, you're at home? I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Yes. This feels, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like this huge wave of nostalgia, and it's like the trash on the street, the people <laughs> pushing you, the bodega smells, halal carts. I was like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> Love it. Well, welcome back. Yeah, it's like, it's Thank funny you. when you go away for a while and come back and you're like, you feel like so much has gone on and everything's going to be so different. And, you know, of course, a lot of things are. But yeah. you come back and you're like, oh, and just get right back in it. Like, you don't miss a beat. You know, everyone's still doing the same hustle and everything's still going. And it's like, oh, huh, okay, cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, um, I feel like I'm a little out of the loop as far as, like, beer places to go to enjoy beer. Oh because my go-to place for the longest time was the Cannibal. Mm-hmm not around anymore yep um there's there's a lot of openings closings moving around swish i mean and the brewery i mean the amount of breweries alone forget yeah. about bars restaurants and other places that are serving uh great beer but just we have so many new breweries and they're constantly opening um in new york city also which is pretty cool so um i think <laughs> when you were here what how long ago did you live here i lived here maybe like Single Cut had opened up maybe like a year before okay. I left. So and maybe I, there was a handful at Handful, best. yeah. And I love Single Cut. Those guys are great. Yeah, there's maybe 25. I mean, there's a lot. I think it's tripled since you left. Oh um, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so exciting. I mean, it's exciting. You know, it is exciting. But it also, I think, kind of shows that education is more important than ever because 
what makes me nervous sometimes when there's so many options and so much choice is that if you're a beard lover and you understand what you're doing and you know what to look for, then fantastic. But if you don't, sometimes it can be a little paralyzing. And so if you're like, I just want to try a beer and there's 500 ones on the shelf and like, ah, I don't know, uh, just give me a Corona, you know, or whatever. I think sometimes it can be a little intimidating. And so, you know, what we try to do at plate, like here at Treadwell Park or what I do in articles or any kind of way that I'm communicating with people is more just try to make it simple, try to make it easy to understand, a few tips on how to find what you want and a non um pretentious but you know we want to make people feel welcome yeah and i think don't giving use words they don't know what they mean yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing a lot of people don't know what hoppy means right so you need to say herbal or tea like or citrus. correct in fact we did um had a beer class here yesterday at this location for five um, of our newest employees that just started after summer and it was great and it was about two hours long and when we do that you know i like to talk about not just what the beer is. I'm not just teaching them what it is, but how to communicate it, how to sell, how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's one of the things we talked about for a solid 20 minutes is, you know, we tasted three beers next to each other. One was from a German Pilsner. We did um, an English ESB and then an American double IPA. Extra and, special bitter. Yeah. Right. And yeah. just went, oh, right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and extra special bitter. Yeah. From England. And, you know, really talked about what each hop type, you know, um, the types of hops that are used contribute to the beer and what aromatics you should look for and what do you notice and we kind of took notes and so in each beer they all recognized and and kind of pulled out and sensed the hop character Mm -hmm. so at the end the answer was are all of these hoppy yes (laughs) I mean to, to some extent right hoppy for the style hoppy for what that means so to just see how like I guess big that word can be Mm -hmm. and if people are asking what is an IPA and you say it's hoppy I mean, okay, they're, they're not going to say, I don't know what that means. The average person is just going to smile and nod and end up with something that they might not enjoy. So we try to break it apart and ask things about their flavor preferences and what they normally drink besides beer and get in, you know, give some options. And I kind of try to make cheat sheets for people with some adjectives just to have in their back pocket because even if you're asking flavor profiles, the average person's not going to be like, I want something nutty. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if, you throw, if you're saying citrusy, nutty, chocolatey, and you kind of give a little bit to go off of, you'd be so surprised how many people perk right up. It's the subway underneath the us. Subway, Can I you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I went through, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're sitting on top of the subway uh, in this room. But, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people that came in that asked for something light and they were kind of going to assume they're going to get a light pilsner or a light pale lager, end up leaving with a triple or an imperial stout or something because there were flavors out there they did not know existed, they didn't know to ask, and we brought it up and, and suggested it, and it kind of got them excited. Yeah. You know, and it's just a little bit of psychology, but also a little bit of just uh, understanding that people don't know beer the way that you think they do, <laughs> you know, if you're a beer person. Yeah. yeah and I think it, it went from, it went very quickly from being a beverage that was looked down on mm-hmm. to being a beverage that was intimidating. Yeah. And neither of those things are appealing in any way. Yeah. Especially, I think in New York, you know, I love Philly, for example, and mm-hmm. I think they have such an incredible beer scene in Philadelphia. That really kind of feels grassrootsy to me. Like, you go there, people loved it. Everyone was drinking beer. Same in California or, you know, Oregon. You find this love and we had that a little bit but I think in New York the average bar or restaurant went from having no beers you know it was just like meh no good beers at all to all of a sudden kind of realizing wait this can make us money 
give me all the beers, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it kind of jumped from like zero to 60 really quickly without that in-between time to kind of grow naturally and like let people explore it on their own and discover things and grow to love them. It just went from nothing to, to a lot. And so I see it every day, people coming in being like, uh, uh, uh. Well, because how many beers do you have <laughs> now, roughly? We have 20 on draft at all times, and they rotate after every keg, mm-hmm. and then about 60-plus bottles. Mm-hmm. And then in our Upper East Side location, I have a separate reserve list of vintage dated, you know, different lambics and different things that age really well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, you know, not pass up on those, but we didn't have space in our menu. But taking that project on, again, back to this, is that I didn't want to have 60 to 100 beers with these extremely high price tags and hard-to-pronounce names that people would just kind of walk in and see it and go, uh. So I wrote a page for each one. <laughs> it took a lot of work, a lot of translating and things, but, you know, using understandable language, thing, some wine terms, some flavor profile, you know, things that anything special about the brewing process or unique ingredients and made it really easy to understand. So now people can take that reserve list on like a date and just kind of sit and look through it and be like, oh, that looks like fun. Let's try this. Let's try that, you know, and make it very, very approachable, even though we're looking at, you know, the Lambic from 2012. That's the rare, you know, yeah. it could be this exquisite beer, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be um, outside of what somebody would want to enjoy. Yeah. You know? I mean, your storytelling. Do you have mm-hmm. people that, you know, sit there and read through? Oh, yeah. And, I love that. I love that. I love it. Not often does that happen, <laughs> but when it does, I almost want to go over and give them a hug. Like, thank you for appreciating this. It's, like, <laughs> it's so cool. But, yeah, no, but it's 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 fun. And especially when you see people who were drinking vodka sodas or, you know, didn't come in with the intention to get beer and all of a sudden very quickly fast forward into, oh, this is amazing, you know, this Flemish red, for example, I didn't know beer could taste like that. And, you know, talking about these really cool styles um, that are now their new favorites. It's yeah. Fun. And, I mean, it also sets expectations. You know, you've got a, a lot of people. I remember they would come in and, you know, when I worked at Madison Park, and mm-hmm. they'd come in and they'd just look at the beer list and they'd, they'd see the Cantillon. And, you know, of course, it's the most expensive thing on the, on the list. Right. And they'd be like, oh, I, I know that beer. Like, I know that that's a, a rare beer because I've heard the name. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive, so I'm going to order it. Yeah. That's <laughs> cool, then, too. <laughs> that's great. But then, you know, I had a guest once actually get uh, St. Lambinus uh, from Cantillon, which is one of my favorite beers. Yeah. And send it back because it was sour. Right. And it's because there was no expectation set. It was just, okay, this is like a brand name. Mm-hmm. I see Prada. Yep. And I see the price tag, so it must be good. Correct. And, and I mean, yeah, it is good, but if you don't have that expectation. Well, there's no context. Yeah. I mean, of course. Like, think about this. If you think you're going to take a sip of Sprite and it's soda water, it tastes bad. Like, it, your instinct is, oh, like, it's just something that you're not expecting. Um, and I think that's, yeah, especially with something like that. I mean, if you don't have context, and it's funny, I always kind of, there's a little bit of a, I guess, psychology to it where I think sometimes if I feel that, that someone's acting that, you know, or, or going to buy something for that reason, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell it's like, oh, and they go to order it. I try to slip in a little bit of context there in a positive way and it's just, you know, oh, this really great acidity, almost like an old world wine. And, you, you know, you're just kind of talking a little farmhouse, kind of funky. It's weird. Not everyone loves it, but really, you know, people, when they do, they do. And just set something up that's like exciting. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they go, it's almost like a challenge for them to tell me how they feel. And then it's like, and it, you know, it's this great dialogue back and forth and, I think I know <laughs> that without that, there's a lot of times that people would send it back, you know, yeah. because I'm like, oh, I'm glad I said that. Like, oh, sour. And you see right away, yeah. like, oh, sour. But then you have the conversation and then they try it knowing what to look for. And it's helpful for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a much better way of going about it. I can't tell you how many times I've ordered something, mm-hmm. and like some condescending bartender's been like, it's sour, is that okay for you? Oh, me too. Oh, my and God. And I'm like, boy, I know what I'm about. You know, this is, it's really hoppy. It's like, this is a really bitter beer. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, thanks. Oh my God. I had somebody tell me once, I'm like, hey, what style is this Grand Cru? It was just, you know, he just kind of like looks and says, it's a Grand Cru and like walks away. It's <laughs> like, okay. You're like, oh, thanks cool. for nothing, buddy. You know, like, whatever. It's, it's, it, it's a part of the job that I don't think people talk about that often is the hospitality aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, wouldn't it be lovely for everybody to come in and say, hi, I'm looking for a Saison that's a little tart and a little... <laughs> Okay, you are great. We've got that. More likely, though, you're going to get, what do you recommend? What do you like? What's your favorite? Which is a very loaded question. Yeah. You know, so there's ways around that, and there's ways to kind of use that to pull out what they like and find out about their taste and make personalized recommendations. But, you know, it has to start with, it's a hospitality job. You know, if you're working in bars and restaurants... You could love something all day long, and recommend, but if you're mm-hmm. recommending your favorite imperial stout to someone who doesn't like those flavors, it doesn't matter how good it is. Uh, now, for those of you just tuning in, I'm talking to, with uh, Ann Becerra. She is the uh, beverage director at Treadwell Park, all three locations in New York City. She also does festivals, and she participates um, in freelance things and all beer things and writing and... Um, books and <laughs> just like TV. anything that seems fun and cool. Yeah, anything beer. Oh, that's good. Let's try it. Cicerone, you know, all those things. Um, fun stuff. Beer master. Can we just like yeah? <laughs> just it makes me think of Shira. I'm like oh. yeah. <laughs> fun. Um, so <clears throat> something that I have talked about with um, a lot of people over beers mm-hmm. is so for the wine world. They had this, especially in New York, maybe like five or six years ago, they had this huge campaign of like drink Riesling. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everyone's drinking Riesling. Yeah. And everyone's getting behind Riesling. Yep. And, or Rosé oh, all day. Rosé yeah, all yeah, day. Yeah, totally. Rosé went from being ignored to being the yep. highest selling wine out there. You know, people completely ignored Riesling and wrote it off as sweet. All of a sudden, they realized that it's this crazy, awesome, complex, delicious, delicious beverage. Yeah. And I've been saying over and over again, like, Beer needs a campaign like that, <laughs> like during the summertime for like Berliner Weiss. Yeah, you well, know? we're starting one on the twentieth if you're around, um, and not really in that way. But I feel the same way, and I think the more and more and more I drink, and the more options come available, I find myself, of course, still excited about new things and trying new things. But I really find myself coming back to the classics, and that's how I feel, you know, for a really long time. And if you see. My beverage programs, like, we have 20 lines right now. Three of them are IPAs. Three, right? That's it. And I've getting, you know, some people kind of... But that's what all the cool kids are drinking. They can be cooler than me then, you know? (laughs) I'm sorry. I like a Belgian triple. I want a porter. I want, you know, a a lager and a pills and a... um, You you want a dynamic beer list that can go with a lot of different kinds of food? And that can go for a lot of different palates, (laughs) you know? And And I also... One thing about that while we're just kind of talking about classics is, you know, I do also, as much as I... Love to support the brand new and the local and the small, and that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't shy away from the classics. I don't shy away from the, um, the the sort of the Sierras and the Bells and the you know Trogues of the world like that. I think they are making consistent beer wonderfully. I love it. It's priced appropriately. I mean, I'm not gonna choose something just for its rarity because it's really cool or it's like oh. from a brewery that's awesome and then be laughed at for carrying something that you know has been around for a really long time. Allagash White is consistently perfect. 
And we yeah. had one of those kegs on last week. We had, I put a Sierra Pale on at our Upper East Side location. It just kicked. And it's like Delicious. those things are amazing, right? So they're not going to go out of style. And then a heavy on imports. So it's a really lovely combination of, you know, new business, small business, local business, legacy brands, imports, and things that are exciting. So with that, we're talking about, like, different styles and how to promote them, that's one way that I think is hopefully helpful is that somebody coming in, tourists and people from all over the world coming into the bar and learning about Berliner Weiss, learning about, you know, Baltic Porter and things that are you don't really see very often um, and giving them the context to be like, ooh, and we're like, check it in an NSAP, you know, and trying to kind of get that spread, you know, naturally. But then on the 20th, we're starting a three-week-long, we do this Oktoberfest celebration for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And when I do events, I try to be a little bit more immersive, a little bit more full, you know, bring in some cultural aspects, some food aspects, not just a tap takeover. Um, give you have like, it's almost like a lot of your events I've noticed, in, at least in the announcements, it, they're like, there's like a little mini history lesson. Yeah, you I'm know a dork. I mean? I'm such a dork. No, I no, but I no, love it. Totally. <laughs> it gives people context of yeah. why it's important. And the fact that it's been going on this long, and with our Oktoberfest, that's exactly what we do. So I created this little, um, it's like a passport, it looks like a vintage passport, and you get to travel, in quotations, through Germany to the beer-producing cities of Germany, and then you get a stamp on your passport. So over three weeks, you can come in and out to all the locations and try all these different styles. So you can go to Dusseldorf and get alt beer stamp. You mm-hmm. go to Berlin, you get a Berliner Weiss, you get Kolsch, you know, you get all these different things, Rausch beer and Pilsner and Oktoberfest, and so... A couple of things that encourages repeat business, which is great, obviously, for a bar, but also gets people to, that would typically maybe come and just have those liters of Oktoberfest and, and Hefeweizen try something like a Rausch beer or an alt beer, mm-hmm. you know, that are very difficult to pronounce even for, you know, even though we know it, it's still like, I don't know how to say half the words Apparently, I try my best. I've been saying strong for a long time. I mean, it, right. if you're... Pre- if, if we're if, doing if it if, right. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Um, so you get to do that and then you win, you know, a liter at, at the end and you get to keep the glass. But then also, in addition, um, created these little, they look like vintage travel posters, like if you're in an old train station from back in the day, of these cities with the history of the beer style and why it you know, connects and kind of what it is. And we hang them all over the bars. There was the garland. I mean, we turn it into like this really fun beer garden and then encourage guests to kind of walk around and read them and learn a little bit about it, ask questions, taste different things. Um, and then kind of understand that, yes, German beer has a Reinheitsgebot. Yes, it gets a reputation of being boring from a lot of the uber-craft, like, super intense craft people. It's not at all. You know, no. look at all and these different flavors. Look at this. This is so much, and it's they're all delicious. Oh, my God. And so for listeners who maybe aren't too familiar, the Reinheitsgebot is the German purity law that mm-hmm. says that beer needs to be made with water, hops, malt. And well, yeast. Mm-hmm. But the original one, they didn't know about yeast yet. But yeah. You know, they got there. They got there. Yeah, yeah, little <laughs> by little. Um, but yeah, I think that's something, you know, you're looking at how lager's so boring. That's not, what? <laughs> so I, I might tend to do events more around things like that, like classic styles, education, understanding why, but doing it in a way where, where it's fun. People are in here playing ping pong, playing Jenga, you know, and I love to see just like a bunch, a group of like 23-year-old bros come in and they all have their little... Berliner Weiss in their hand with the green or, you know, they have the Woodruff syrup or the raspberry syrup. We bring those in also from Shaler and Weber, so we have options in oh, how to serve them. Cool. And seeing them, their faces when they try a sour beer for the first time. That's so cool. Oh, my God, this is good. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's fun, right? It's good. <laughs> having fun and going this out. This is why this has been going on for hundreds yeah, of years. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we don't have to just chase whales all the time to enjoy what we're drinking. 
Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not judging, but I think we should, like, you know, know that there's a time and a place. Yeah. I mean, I have a deep, deep, deep appreciation for a really, really well-made Pilsner. I mean, you can't hide behind anything. You can't hide behind high ABV or hops or barrel aging. I mean, if you mess up, it's super clear. Literally clear. Literally. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully very clear. I did see somebody on, on social media recently post a picture of a Pilsner they made that was hazy. And well, my, my little heart was like, oh, yeah. well, we have so we have the, um, an exclusive in the city with uh, Radeberger for their Zwickel beer, mm-hmm. and it's you know unfiltered, um, really super fresh, kind of right out of the tanks. They send it to New York, we tap it, which is amazing. But it is cloudy. I mean, it's not a classic filter. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, there's a difference I, between like, Zwickel beer and 100. Yeah. percent That wasn't why I was saying that about yeah. what you said. It was more that because people are like what, exactly what you said are so used to this clear crystal, you know easy to see through beer mm-hmm. and then they ask for something like a pills and we say well we have it unfiltered we have this in this we'd serve it you could see a little bit that initial huh what is this like looking at it because it's so not yeah. what they're used to so it's also another kind of fun teachable moment that even with our classic standard beers for lack of a better word there's still talking points there's still something yeah. that we can talk about and, and share with our guests so it's kind of fun yeah I just I can't have like no, no, I thought, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally, I can't, yeah, I can't have someone be putting, like, passion food or guava in my pills this next. Like, that can't be the next step. I can't, I can't do that at all. Um, so, you know, I know this is a, a dumb question usually, but, you know, this is something that I got to know. What, what beer are you into right now? Hmm, right now, right now? Well, now that we're talking Pilsner, I was kind of thinking I should go grab us some of those Tipo Pills cans. And get into Ooh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's see what I've been drinking a lot of. Well, what I'm so excited about is another thing that we do for our party is I secured this. A few years back, I was talking with um, somebody from Schneider Brewery. And Aventinas is one of my all-time favorite beers ever, ever, ever. And have you tried their vinegar? Oh, no. Yes. <gasps> they make a vinegar. Go on. Ooh, yeah. Okay, talk we'll to, definitely have to get on talk that. Talk to your peeps at Be United. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I asked, you know, we're doing a big Oktoberfest. Is there anything we could do? And we ended up getting a 90-liter cask of Schneider Edelweiss for the party. Tapped it. It's huge, but, you know, fun ceremonial tapping. And then last year, I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. Balls to the wall. Aventinas. Fill it with Aventinas. And we're doing it again this year. Whoa. So we have a 90-liter cask of Aventinas that we tap ceremoniously at the party. We have an oompa band playing. And, um, now, for listeners who aren't familiar, can you tell them why yes. Aventinas is, oh, is so, so good? I love this beer for so many reasons. It's sort of a very unique style. Uh, they call it a, a Weizenbach, so wheat bock. It's an ale, but it's brewed to the strength of a bock. So it's an 8.2%... Uh, beer that's very rich and and has these great malt flavors of dark fruit and grape and almost like a cocoa powder. Yeah. But it's this Weizen yeast, so you get a lot of spicy cinnamon, clovey, almost banana notes that go hand in hand. So the rich malt with that spicy yeast. So on one hand, it's warming and it's full-bodied and you can have it on a winter night, but that Weizen yeast just makes it so effervescent, so refreshing and carbonated that you could also have it in the summertime. I mean, it's strong, so maybe not on the hot day on the beach, but still, it's... um, Challenge accepted. Yeah, I mean, I could do it. (laughs) I could do it. You could do it. Um, But, you know, it's just this really unique combination of all of these flavors. You kind of get the best of both worlds and served properly in a big Weizen glass with all that fresh yeast in that giant head, and it's so aromatic. Um, 
and it just always always hits the spot, you yeah. know. So to be able to have it in this cool way and have a huge thing that everybody that walks in the bar goes, "What's in that? What's that? What's in that? What's that?" And we get to introduce them to Aventinas in that way, mm-hmm. and then say, "We have it in bottle too. You got to try them side by side." You know, it's like I don't think I've ever met someone that tasted that that didn't like it. Oh yeah, right. So yeah. So anyway, getting our staff excited about this cask has gotten me really like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've been just hitting the Aventinas lately. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I, I mean, it's a little dangerous because, you know, it goes down a lot easier than... It does, but I do find that it's... I enjoy it so much that it's... I savor it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's something that you can... And it's the big eyes and glass. And you just kind of sip it and just kind of enjoy it. It's not something that I feel, you know, like a goza or something where it's like... Yeah. Go, 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 go <laughs> down the hatch. It's No. You know, you really want to sit and enjoy it, so... It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know you're crazy busy. Anything exciting on the horizon aside from your big event coming up? Uh, yeah. Well, working on some really fun projects. Uh, maybe I should... Mm, no. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but they're good, fun projects. Anne is, Anne is so important that her projects are secret, which No, it's not exciting. that. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> don't it's want to jinx it. I got you, I got you. It's not that. I don't want to jinx it. I'm like, you know, we're working on some great things. Well, this Friday, I'm going to be speaking at the Japan Society. Okay. In New York, which is so exciting. They have, every year they do this big talk and tasting, and I'm going to be talking about trends in American craft beer and around the world that, and sort of how Japanese craft beer can fit into that market, and um, there's a big tasting afterwards of 20 different beers from all over Japan, and it's just lovely people. So that's kind of that'll be fun this Friday, yeah, right? Yeah, that'll be amazing. And then next week goes into Oktoberfest, and then it goes, all of a sudden we're into holiday beer events and party. It's just like spirals. Real quick before we go tangentially, didn't weren't you were you on the Rachel Ray show? Yeah, a couple times actually. You were on the Rachel Ray show. So you just quick. Sure. What did you? What did you... I'm, I'm a bad friend. I didn't see the segment, <laughs> but okay. what did you talk about? So the first time we talked about, we broke down beer sort of by ingredients and mm-hmm. brought in different... I brought in beers that reflected that ingredient. So we started with your classic. We brought hops with an IPA, yeast with a um, wheat beer, you know, things like that to kind mm-hmm. of explain what the ingredients are and... How they contribute to the beer. How they contribute to the yeah. beer and also um, how similar they are to foods and so how... I think I'm trying to remember the first time because it was a while back, but we did, um, oh, that you don't, essentially stressing that you don't need a whole new vocabulary to be able to enjoy beer and how so many of the things that you taste and that you eat in your day-to-day, bread and, you know, citrus and all of these spices and cinnamon and, no, you know, nutmeg and things that you have in your day-to-day, mm-hmm. you can find those flavors in beer. So if you go to somebody and say, hey, I really drink iced coffee every day. I love those flavors. What do you have? Boom. Like, you don't have to go in and know, like, every little detail. And then the second time we did uh, Oktoberfest, and, again, sharing the difference of German beers and how exciting they can be, and brought in a Rausch beer and a Doppelbach and things that were so different. And I was so excited because she said she hates beer when I, before I went on, I knew (laughs) that she was not a beer drinker. All the producers were so lovely. They're like, don't be offended. She's probably not going to try it. Like, you know. Oh, wow. Um, And I found out what she did like, which is certain wines. And then I brought beers that were in that family that I thought could translate. And they did. And she actually loved all of them. She drank them and then brought back because she was like, she's my beer girl. I like beer now. I had no idea. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about, education, using people's vocabulary and flavors that they like mm-hmm. to introduce things to them that are personalized, yeah. that, are, that are curated for their tastes. 
And is she like as like fun and bubbly and happy like that all the, like in real like? Yeah, I mean, I, we don't really get to go off. hang out all the time, you know, go hang out. But at the same time, I think she's just way cooler than I think I expected. Like a like a broad, like a cool lady nice. versus just like the girl next door. She's like smart and like like you would want to have a drink and maybe play a card game. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I would hang out with Rachel Ryan. Yeah. Totally. And, there, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just, uh, that just don't know. So I think reaching new audiences, my mom or my aunt or grandma calls and say, oh, you know, I have people coming over. What should I get for them? And <laughs> they're interested. They just yeah. don't really know where to start. So I think, you know, new audiences are always a, a good place for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. I <laughs> thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Um, feel free to uh, check out other episodes uh, through Simplecast. Uh, we'll be back in studio next week, uh, recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, uh, feel free to reach out, beermeradio at gmail.com or on Instagram at beermeradio. Uh, thank you all so much. Cheers.